Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Up and Under podcast brought to you by Rugby Lad. Another very special show for you this week guys, uh, I think that's three in a row now, we have you, we have you absolutely spoiled um, Mr. Rob Kearney will be joining myself and Jamie Heaslip for a chat. Um, as per usual, we'll be looking back on the Autumn Nations Cup, uh, England versus Ireland in particular. We're going to be chatting through um, any positives, if, if there was any positives from that game. Um, obviously, looking back at a lot of the negatives and another big defeat for Ireland at the hands of England. Leading then into a bit of a more relaxed chat with two lads uh, swapping stories and Rob looking ahead to his move to Australia next season with the Western Force. Enjoy the show, guys. Cruden, Israel Dyke knocks it forward and there's a break there and there's an opportunity there, does he have the pace? It is a long way to go, he's bursting along, but Rob Carney could do it, Kieran Reid's giving it up, Carney, try number three, would you believe it? What an effort from Rob Carney. Right, so guys, um, Jamie, a pleasure as always, Rob. Thanks, Manly, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Not at all. Episode 15, which I've just realised. <laughs> yeah, we're getting... It's is it? Is it 15 now, Jimmy? We're around the way now at this stage. Like, you're probably Jeez. sick of looking at me. That's why you brought, <laughs> that's why you brought Rob on. <laughs> well, he, he, he brought the average score of our, of our good looks instantly up. So that's <laughs> that's a bonus for you and me, I think. Uh, we will kick starts over the weekend, lads, obviously, um, on, on to England and Ireland. I mean, like, we all know, like... The bad things that we can take from that game, and but like, uh, let's start off with a bit of a positive note. Is there anything positive we can take from from that game? We'll start with you, Robson, as you're a guest. Uh, well, you won the second half, seven six, didn't they? So that's a positive. One try disallowed over the line, another positive, and you know, the, the Johnny May's second try was off a line out. Uh, where Ireland went to the corner, you know, 10 metres out from their line. So if you execute that properly, you know, it could be a different story. You know, you're probably clutching at straws a little bit to to find positives, but they are three big positives. Um, But at the same time, I don't think Ireland ever looked really like beating England. The damage was almost done in that first half and... You know, you're going back out to half time and you're thinking, right, what's the score differential going to be as opposed to who's going to win? No. What do you think, Jamie? Did you see anything? Uh, you know, in, in the cold light of day when you're watching it in in real time, it, it was quite hard. But when you when you step back a little bit and you give yourself a bit of space, you look I actually look back at it this morning. Um and to Rob's point, so look the yeah, we, we, we can talk later about what maybe they can improve on or look at tweaking, but they did put themselves in positions to get scores, um, which is encouraging. Uh, obviously, there's the one where, you know, 
line out misfunction and next thing you know you're going 80 meters and you're under your uh your post which is a big swing of the game because that could go another way but the other one is like take earlsy's one you know what i mean and and the line break from earlsy and and we kind of default to um you know this kind of one-off runner and then get turned over or you know there's there's another one um i can't remember who carried but ian henderson was slow to barrel in on the rock about five, 10 meters from their line again in the second half and they get the turnover from it. Um, Doris, it was, yeah. It was a Kalen, was it? Yeah. And they're the moments that, you know, they, they could, they could change the game. And then also on top of that, there was one, two opportunities where maybe they could have taken the points as opposed to kick to the corner. Um, and, and you could have very easily been in a game where it's a one score game coming into that second half, as opposed to England getting a bit of breathing room, and, and the thing about them, about England, I don't know what you think, Rob. I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like Saracens, but at an international level, you know, they get ahead. They don't do anything amazing. It, it, it's very efficient and it's very ruthless, but they, but they just kind of starve you and kind of kick it down your half, go, right. You know, we're happy to defend. It's on you to try and, you know, influence this game and score in this game. But by the way, we're 12 or 15 points ahead. You know what I mean? Um, and that's why you get these crazy, you know, what, 200, 200 nearly 250, ta- well, 260 tackles or something. You know, it's like a four to one ratio nearly of, of tackles to, uh, of England tackles to Ireland tackles. They went 90 tackles without missing one for, uh, initially. Um, you know, so th- there, there's glimpses of it, but then you got to ask the question as well. For the last couple of games, we've had a lot of territory, a lot of possession, and, and we just, we're just not converting it. So you just have to think of, you know, is, is that the right way? Is it the right thing for us to do when we have the ball? Yeah. Like we need to find a better way to play, don't we? Because when you look at it in the last few games, we're almost playing into teams' hands and people are, you're going to get this, this rhetoric before the games. This is how Ireland are going to play. This is what they're going to do. And we keep doing it and we keep feeding back into them. And uh, I, know, I don't know about them. that. Like, like oh. I've, I've seen, I've seen glimpses again, Rob, jump in here if you fancy it, but like, I, I've definitely seen glimpses of, it's probably not co- consistent enough, but I've definitely seen glimpses of us attacking the short side a little bit more to try and create a two-sided attack um, trying to use that full width of the field uh, a little bit more. Um Jameson, when when he had the space, looked threatening around the rooks, but like it's very hard. It was very hard for any of those backs to get into the game. Like if if Rob yeah. had been playing a full back, like he ain't seen any of that ball on Saturday. You know what I mean? Because like what do you do when you're constant? You, 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 like the fours just been smashed back, smashed. But the only thing you can do is kick it away. You know what exactly. I mean? Because and, and, and that's the biggest point for me. Like I finished watching the game and I said. You know, all of our play, we're playing between the two 15-meter lines. Why don't we try and get it to the edge more often? And I've been in those situations where you know how to beat teams like England and Saracens. You try and get the ball to the edges. You get them defending the whole width of the the field, which make it much harder for them to enforce all those two-man tackles. The problem is that it's really, really difficult to get the ball to the edges. And that one yeah. time we did, Earlsy threw a skip ball out to the edge. And that was actually when, when Jemison made that half break, got it to Earlsy, and he he made that, you know, 30, 40 meter break. So it's not as if they don't understand how to beat England. They know exactly what type of game plan they need to enforce. 
it's just very difficult to implement it. And when, you know, the ball is slow and Ross is having to sit a little bit deeper to truck it on to forwards who are getting smashed behind the game line by mm. two, sometimes three English defenders, you know, you you don't run out of ideas, but it's it's just, it's so hard to attack against. And, you know, I would argue that we almost had too much possession. You know, you, yeah. you don't want that amount of possession, particularly the amount of possession that we were playing with around our own half, that we probably need to, you know, kick a little bit more ball and go back to those areas of the, that were so strong for Ireland in the past, like the contest. And if, you're not, if you don't win the contest, do what England do, just bash the next rock and try and get turnovers at that. It's a very simple game that they play, but it's difficult to, to, to beat them. I was actually, it's funny you saying that, like, so... Uh, I, I said on Saturday, um, well, firstly, I, I got a quick text off Rob. I've never seen Rob text me as fast. Uh, when I, I gave it the old, like, we were talking about the back three and um, the bread and how, butter quote. The, the bread and butter quote, man. <laughs> I, said, I, I, I said it on the podcast last week and I was like, I, I was watching it. I was like, he used it, he used it because I, I do go money in stitches because he was like, you know, like, we, we need to have more appreciation for Rob. Now that he's gone and we're seeing that we literally can't find the full back and that can cover the backspace, that can defend, that can catch the high balls. And it was just back to that quote. Like, and <laughs> old and, like, that quote is going to live you, we live with you forever. But it's so good. And like, it's a fantastic quote and it's on point. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's something that we are going to struggle in for the next while. Like, I'd be interested to know, Rob, I mean, who do you see as the the full back for Ireland going forward like are you are you going back reverting back to Jordan Armour you think someone like Keenan or Stockdale is, has got the potential to step up there do you know what it's it, it, it's I don't know at the moment and I don't think even Andy Farrell probably knows yeah. himself it's it's a position that is very much up for grabs at the moment you've got three guys there who who will be eyeing it up you know for for Jacob it's very difficult to put a winger into international fullback throw him in and say, you know what, there you go. You, you need to sink or swim because it is a new position and there's so many different skill sets that you need to have. You know, is he at the moment, you know, does Jacob have all the attributes to be a world-class 15? I think he probably does. You know, the, his biggest challenges are, are probably just on, on performing this, the more basic tasks just doing them every single time, which is back to your bread and butter a little bit. You know, Hugo went went pretty well at the weekend. Um, you know, it's, it's tough sometimes, as a, particularly in Twickenham, because you know those balls are going up, that they are the quickest line speed chase in world rugby. So you, you've no time. And as soon as you land, you're getting smashed. And your, your only priority when you go to Twickenham more often than not is trying to get your grass cover perfected so balls don't bounce and for the contestable ones that you're catching them and you know you're going to get smashed just make sure that you get the ball back as clean and as quickly as possible so you know Jordan has had a huge amount of games at 15 and he was the incumbent 15 for the last six nations before before he got injured so you know, it, it is definitely a position that is that is wide up for grabs. I, I would say probably the whole back three is very much up for grabs at the moment. Yeah, no how, one's how no one's no one's put their stamp on it. I, I mean, yeah. you can say that in a couple of different positions, but I think you're you're bang on on that one, Rob. I like I I would just I would probably from an outsider I don't fuck all about the back three, right? But <laughs> but like 
I mean, this is what I do know is that when I'm playing and you know it's going back there, you go, you're covered. You know, Rob has had like I've, the joy of playing with Rob at Leinster in Ireland and the lines is that like, you know, it's covered, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the confidence that gives, um, gives you as a pack to get, or, or even as, you know, the guys in that frontal defensive line, you know, trying to put pressure on. So they do kick it back knowing that, oh, we've got the safest pair of hands. The, the knock on effect of not having that security. And I'd imagine the same is, uh, the same probably for for the wingers rob in terms of trying to close the gate or not i mean to know that you're covering that field that must be a huge thing but that's a i'm i don't know where i've gone with that tangent but what i'm where i'm coming back to jason more importantly is the fact that right now it looks like that the hugo is probably the person who's in control not hasn't made of his own but maybe hugo's one in control right now with jordan out jacob is i think his consistency is is probably the thing that's going to hurt him a little bit uh, and the fact that look if you're doing your scouting on him he's left arm cam- carry all day long and um, so you know he's left footed he's probably going to try and push for the left wing but I think you know Lowy has has control of that so it's going to be interesting to see how Andy how Andy kind of minds those though kind of develops those players with that kind of you know he, he's got a sacker he's not that he's got a sacker he's got to get the balance right between between form and long-term positioning of these guys and where he wants to put them is there a way rob i suppose like i mean there's kind of three different ways of looking at it like you're, you know you were saying they need to get good at the basics and that's something that's so important for a 15 is that a matter of you doing your one-on-one training and constantly practicing is that a matter of you studying the opposition or is that a matter of you need those big test games where you're in the pressure cooker and you're not afraid to go for those eyeballs as you said and, and get stuck in is it a combination of the three like t- in order to to reach those you know peak levels of full back of someone back there you know you can trust and is, is, is a, a, a safety at the back. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a combination because you need to get those big games experiences under your belt before you can become, you know, a really good international 15. You know, I will always say that Twickenham and Paris are two places that will very quickly separate, you know, the men from the boys a little bit in terms of, right, we'll really see what he's made of as a full back now. Um, but for me, it was, it was always just anticipation and awareness. And that comes with, with seeing so many pictures down through the years of just training and playing games week in, week out of almost understanding, you know, where the, where the ball is going to go next. And for me, that was always, that was always the biggest thing in terms of how I rated my own performances. I'm, you know, I did uh, an interview a few weeks ago regarding my book. And, you know, I, in my book, I said I was 51% goalkeeper, 49% attacker. And they were sort of coming at that philosophy a little bit and saying, you know, why didn't you attack more? It should be the other way around. And I'm still very adamant to this day that making sure your house is in order and you doing whatever you can do to protect the 14 guys in front of you is always going to be the most important thing. And I suppose for me, I knew quite early on, particularly with Joe as coach, that if I made sure that I was backfield coverage was superb, I was good in the air, I was safe, I was giving confidence to everyone around me. I knew that if I was doing those better than anyone else, I was pretty much guaranteed to start the team. And you have to be clever with it too, that you you say, okay, this is what the coach wants from a fullback. 
if I do these, I'm going to get picked in the team, regardless of, you know, should I try and try a little bit more and attack and be a little bit more flashy and flamboyant? I was very much just keep doing the basics because, you know, I became so obsessed with just getting caps and the more caps you get, the more opportunities you get to win trophies, to beat the All Blacks, beat Australia down under, all of these things. And I was prepared to, I suppose, sacrifice the other parts of my game, knowing that if I got all my defensive duties right, I was going to be picked. Well, I wonder, is that an issue so with Ireland at the moment? That everyone is begging us to be more expansive and play a bit with a bit more flair and stuff. Is there a danger of us getting sucked into that and forgetting about that? What made Ireland so good for so long was we were very, very, very good at the basics across the board from 1 to 15. Well, I, th I think any any high performance like top team you got to have your brilliant basics right and that's something that joe would have said you know uh we we have on the call with us jason is is the guy who has one it's proof, the, it's proof the it most successful like, irish rugby player there is um so so yeah you know what i mean like <laughs> rob rob's second book is going to be the 15 steps to success that's the second book right <laughs> <laughs> Steph number one is just lucky having a career that goes 15 years and not been injured for a lot of the big games. Hang on, hold on tight. Step one, um, but um, but I think you know uh, you got to remember we got so we have a terrible habit of of having this like short term kind of short termism in terms of uh, the, the, the Irish team, right? And it, it's kind of like, even even if you take a, a more micro view of, let's say, James Ryan taking the captaincy, first day out, he gave a couple of penalties away, he had a good game, team loses. And I remember saying at the start, before the game kicked off, I was going, let's not judge the outcome of this game on, on James here. He needs time to develop. He needs time to grow. It's a young team. You look at the the starting caps, or it doesn't even matter, the match day squad, um, total number of caps for both, teams like England had way more than us and if you took like Earlsy uh Church and um who else was on it with a load of caps Pete probably and um, you took those three off you know what I mean you take a load of it right so it's a young team that's that's changing also Andy Farrell he had like yes he's had 12 months of this team but like nine months of that has been during COVID. He doesn't have the access. Like, I don't care what you say, Rob, you can actually tell us a little bit about this. Like you can do all the bloody Zoom calls you want, but it's not the same thing when it comes to to on-field tactics and trying to get the team corralled together. And, and, and that's tough enough when you're in a system like Leinster that has like the same management team for a good few years now, as opposed to new management team, new coaching staff, new philosophy, new players, you know, there's what, there's like yeah. nine caps, nine new caps this in the 12 months with, with Andy. There was something like 10 changes from the, the game during the Six Nations earlier on in the year. Like it, it's, you can't compare like with like, but you, so you, you got to be patient. No, it's, they're evolving, evolving their style. And it's young players who've got to learn on the job as well. And the, I, th I think a big point with that is that there's so many guys who will have, you know, finish the last couple of months who'll come off the field at Paris and come off the field in Twickenham and they'll go, oh, okay, that's what international rugby is. 
they, they, they would never have experienced that before. So, you know, you play Scotland, you play this Welsh side, Italy, throw in a couple of other, you know, teams who might not be top four or five in the world at the moment. It's, it's a different kettle of, sh of fish, Paris and Twickenham. So you'll have guys coming off the field knowing, okay, that's the level now that we need to get to. And, and there's huge learnings in that as well. The line-out line probably, that, that misfired line-out, you know, you might get away with that at another level or against another team. But against England, you know, they move very quickly. Johnny May sits, sits down Chris Farrell, which is tough on any day of the week, by the way, trying to mark Johnny May. But he absolutely just skins him. The thing that actually annoyed me, though, about that, that, but that part, right, that just shows you the ruthlessness of international rugby. But what really annoyed me, though, was there was a couple of players, and I know, let's say, if Joe was doing, doing the video, and I'm sure Andy probably did the same thing, a few there joggers. was a couple of joggers, wasn't there? Like Peter Manny, who had, had, had a, I, think, I think Pete had probably one of his best games of the season, right? Um, or let's say of the last 12 months, anyway. Um, and, he, and I think that was a testament to what Pete's about. You know what I mean? Getting back there. But like, I was there going, where the hell is everyone else in this one? You know, and I was, and, and I think that's very much the the Joe still in us that we're not looking at Chris Farrell and his missed tackle. We're looking at all the other guys around who, you know, were jogging back to the posts. And you can be sure, you know, if that was Joe on Monday morning, that try is going up, and he is asking each person why they're jogging. And it's 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 a pretty uncomfortable, embarrassing moment <laughs> oh. when, you know, he says, how fast What game run? was it? What game like, was it, Rob? Was it, was it, uh, was it Bath and Dars? Was it, was it against Bath? <laughs> I, I, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong here. And like, Dars won't mind me hanging him on this one. Um, but there was like, um, I don't know if you were playing, you could have been injured, but we were playing Bath in, uh, in Europe over there and we get a penalty and i think johnny gets the ball there's a cross fielders to isa on the wing and next thing isa runs the length of the field or something like that and there's a joe shows it on the monday morning review and Dars has like a five meter head start and mike ross and he pauses it and he goes Dars, how fast are you and Dars like says whatever runs his fucking 10 meters in whatever like four seconds. Used to be a used to be Olympian yeah. sprinter. And then uh, ask like ask Rossi. And Rossi's like, um, well, you know, <laughs> he comes out with whatever prop speed runs <laughs> and he plays the clip. Rossi passes Gordon Darcy out on the chase. And it absolutely canes him for it. But but where where that comes back to this game is that we, we talked about that clip. Again, something that I'm very particular about is that our breakdown was shocking in terms of of the barrels coming into it. It was like lads were waiting for the carry or, or not following in. Following in wasn't their first kind of, you know, thinking when they yeah. saw someone carrying. You know, like that Atolje turnover underneath their posts, you know, the one that you yeah. were talking about where Ian Henderson is the only, the only barrel or cleaner. So you're sending one man to that breakdown who's a couple of seconds late. You know, that sort of stuff. Would I wonder just are these young guys have taken it for granted, the fact that remember we had this it, conversation. It just wouldn't have been tolerated back, under Joe. These guys haven't, the, the kind of new era, they're coming in, they're being bred straight into success with, well, with Leinster anyway, and a lot of them with Ireland, whereas they didn't have to fight for it as much as you did, and they didn't have to work their way up, so they're kind of taking it for granted. Also, you take out the fact that there probably should have been 80-odd thousand people there at that match. 
So their first match in Twickenham is is essentially a training match, and they don't have that extra bit of bite and that extra bit of go in them that they normally would have. Is is that an excuse to make or? I don't know. Like it, it's an interesting one again. You know, it's looking at it. Um, like actually, it'd be great to get Rob again. Something good for your take on this. But so I finished up in what 2018, um, and I could see at the time that there was a co- there, the younger guys just never experienced. Um, like I hate saying the fact that I'm one of these old guys, but they never experienced. Um, they never experienced being called the Lady Boys. They never experienced walking out into Lansdowne Road in 2006 and what 80 percent of the crowd being being red. You know, they never experienced World Cup and things like that. Like, um, you really had to fight back. You know? Oh, like, what else have they not experienced? Yeah. Like, yeah, like that 2000 or 2011. You remember 2011 against Wales, Rob? So, the, so, yeah. the, so the, you know, you have a cohort to come out in 2018. They win the Grand Slam, they do the double in Leinster. Um, you know, a lot of them have success with Leinster very early on in their career. Um, now, I think this circles back, lovely back to what Rob said earlier, was which was. These two, te- the test against France, the get test against England. I think it's a bit of a sense check, mate. Potentially, I, I, I don't know, Rob. It'd be great to get your take on that because, because I don't know, it was something I was feeling that was like, oh, these guys don't. I don't know if they've been tested mentally in that regard. Yeah, and you know, if if I look back to Leinster's season last year, and um, you take Europe, those pool stages of Northampton. Treviso and Leon, and Leinster went fully unbeaten last year. For me, without getting even close to a stern test all season, and we're seeing it again now with the Pro 14 yeah. this year. But Leinster are just streets ahead of every other team in it, but no one has given them any sort of a test. And my biggest fear last year was we were going to get to the Sar- Saracens game thinking throughout the whole season, okay, everyone's, everything's going really well, we're unbeaten, no one's come close to us. But we hadn't yet gotten a proper test all season. And then when Saracens did come around, it was like, oh shit, where, where, has, where has this level of op- opposition been throughout the whole season? So I think some of these younger guys coming through Leinster, coming up the ranks, are maybe sort of not masters of their own downfall a little bit, but they're not getting enough tough opposition games during a season. And that's why I say the point that they'll come off, you know, Paris and Twickenham yeah. and been like, Jesus Christ, what the hell was that? Um, but it's, it's funny then, yeah, because you I only have, is... you have like the people that did stand up to a certain degree, bar James Ryan, because he's just a general freak. Um, like, were the guys who have been kind of through the wars a little bit you had pete i thought pete again just did what pete does which is you know he's just so stubborn that he won't give up you know what i mean um you know you had there was exceptions to the rules like with kaylin ronan Callagher might get criticized for the lineup but that's another thing that there's multiple parts that but at least he he put himself out there the whole time carrying i thought church put himself out there but you know our back line was earlsy as well but the rest of our back line was quiet you know you know, you could argue that's because the problems we had with getting any decent ball, but it, it's, it's a, st- I think the takeaway here, Rob, fair to say is it's a steep learning curve for these fellas. 
Roberts. Time and time again on this tour, he's been crashing through on that ball. Phillips, nice little delay to the oldest debutant in a Lions test match, Simon Shaw. Stephen Jones. Oh, he's got it out the side to Carley. Bows outside. Carley's going straight. Must be finished. Carley has finished. The belief that was there at the end in Durban, it's still here in Pretoria. Now, come here. Now, Jason, like, do, do we, like, this point, like, how do I put this? Oh, here we go. Were you just going to say this is between no, us? No, no, no. I was just going to say, uh, <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, I ruined, I ruined, how long? We ruined for too long. Um, we ruined for many a year. Okay, be very, be very careful. Yeah, no, I'm not going to say anything. I was actually going to say, you know, why don't, why don't we reminisce a little bit and come away from the England game a little bit, right? Because it's quite depressing. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got any, any good stories in your book about this fella, surely? Oh, yeah, Sean, he got Reese he had nothing there. Come on, you have to have something, bro. <laughs> This fella seems to keep his uh, his sleigh pretty clean, does he? Or so, so, he says, so anyway. I say, I'm yet to be exposed, <laughs> which is a miracle. And if there's one man who is ever going to expose me, he could be the other man yeah. on this call. Uh, you know, what goes on tour stays on tour. Um, the, how did you find, because we all, back at a bus chat, um, uh, Rob was, if I remember correctly, Rob, how long did you hold on to the back left seat for? Yeah, I still had it up until the last Did you? day. Jeez, that's very nice of them. Um, Good spot. No, up and up and what was my last Saracens and Japan and the World Cup? That's yeah, very nice. And we'll come here. We, well, they were hardly going to. They're hardly going to turf me out of my own. <laughs> you never seat. know. You, you never know. A young kid come 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 around. Going, I'm the man. I'm going to take Rob Carney's <laughs> <laughs> they certainly turfed me out in other areas, but the, the, the seat on the bus was the least of my worries. Uh, come here, tell me this though. How because we often talk about okay, would you do a book? Okay, would you? Yeah, no, what would you say? What wouldn't you say? All that sort of stuff. How did you actually how did you like I found it quite cathartic doing it and quite nice because I was very much a player that uh, kept looking forward as opposed to like bar, you know, we celebrate the night of a big win or something like that. You were on to the next one, on to the next one. Um, so it was nice to look back, I suppose. How did you find it? Yeah, do you know what? I was the exact same. I, re I really enjoyed it. I thought it was going to be a bit of a, a bit of a penance having to do it. Um, but to, to reflect on the past and all of those good days was, was unbelievable. We were in the middle of lockdown as well. So it gave me something to do. And I think when you have the end result of a nice hard copy book with your name and picture on the front of it, of telling your life story, you know, it was, it was, there was a huge sense of achievement in it. And, you know, I sort of remember thinking that we should almost, everyone should write a book, you know, not necessarily to publish, but everyone should have their life story down on something that can be passed on through the generations. Uh, you know, in, in some instances, there's, you know, there's so many kids or people out there who never really knew what their parents were like. And, you know, I, I think it's a very worthwhile exercise that, that everyone jots stuff down about themselves, about their life that can be passed on to future generations. Um, and that was a big driver for me to do it as well. And what were your, speaking of memorable moments, what, what kind of jumped out with you as you did it? 
do you know what? The, the biggest thing that jumped out at me was was not the was not the good days and the memorable moments. It was going through some of the really shit periods in my life when I was either constantly injured, wasn't playing great, when journals were on my back, the country was on my back. And you come out of those, you come out of those periods of time having performed really well, got your spot back in the team. You know, that Grand Slam in 2018 for me was just the greatest achievement of all because I gotten so much shit in 2016 and a little bit in 2017. So it was the moments when I look back on those really difficult periods and come out the other end, you know, when you're sort of like, Jesus, fair play to you. You 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 endured a lot of shit and still come out the other end. Whereas, you know, early in 2009, you know, we achieved so much in that year, but it was just, it came very easy to us. We were young, we were playing well, everything was falling our way. It's, it's the other moments when I think, you know, I certainly took a little bit more pride in myself than those days. All right, and, but tell the people what they want to know, Rob, right? Give us your maddest moment, because <laughs> prime example, you're related to the incoming president of the United States. And so give us, give us your maddest kind of moments that you're like, when you look back on, Jesus, that was, that was ridiculous. And then um, give us your best uh, post-match celebration slash session. Jeez, you could have, you couldn't have given, you could have given me a little bit of prep on this. Give one. the people what they want, Rob. Um, it's not like myself and Jason prep a whole lot. Like the maddest moment. Um, right. So we, we, we have, we have meeting the queen one, which was kind of cool. Been in the white house. White house was pretty cool. Uh, I, I went on holidays to LA once. Oh, back about eight years ago and stayed in Robbie Williams gaff in on the the Bel, Belvedere where, where is it Beverly Hills Be Beverly Hills up 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 on Beverly where is Hills that place that Robbie this, Williams like, lives in LA now hold on <laughs> up on Beverly Hills and like you know you're on Instagram and you see these gaffs over there and you're like who lives in those well he was living in one of these I went over there for two weeks and there was one night, it was just like four of us outside in his garden and he's there singing angels and we're all getting absolutely smashed on drink. And I'm like, okay, this is so fucked up. Like, so I reckon that's probably the maddest moment because like he was such a rock star back in the day. And he still is a bit of a rock star to be fair to him. And the biggest session What's your favorite session? I loved Cardiff in 2009. Oh, that was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was loose. When, when we were roommates that night, we went to Tiger Tiger and we came back at like five in the morning trying to tiptoe into the hotel and we went into the team room to get some water <laughs> and everyone was still up. Jordan Murphy did not sleep. Was, <laughs> did not sleep. No. <laughs> And then we would come back to Dublin and Dawson Street and then into uh, Kyo's Pub in town. That 2009 Grand Slam, I think, was, was the best session. How long did those sessions go on for, those, those big sessions? Because like, I know like, when we do it, like, obviously, at a much smaller amateur level, like, it's probably two days, three days tops. Like, but if you win something like a Grand Slam, like, are you, are you talking four or five days or what are we talking? Well, I think... 
Well, I I remember 09, it, it definitely changed. Like, uh, like definitely changed. I remember 09, it went from like, uh, you had the Grand Slam on Saturday, then you had Super Sunday, then you had Mad Monday, you had Terrible Tuesday and Wicked Wednesday. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then after all that, you still had the energy to go to Coppers again on a Thursday night. And and I think, I think I then went down to Nace on the Friday for a session down there. But um, it, it definitely changed as the years went on where it went from like, I think that was probably the longest one run we I went on anyway. Oh, it, that was that was the longest and the best. And you know, you go forward to 2018 when I think we beat England. We had a session. We didn't have two. Oh, we had a few drinks on the Saturday night. We had a bit of a session in the Shelburne on the Sunday evening, and then that was it. You know, so the, people don't. There's not the same level of commitment to those piss ups as there was back in the day. <laughs> the professionalism of the drinking game <laughs> you know, is gone. Is, is that something maybe then we're like we're missing? Like not obviously like the the session, but like I know myself, any team I ever played on, like I learned more about a guy and became more trustworthy and better friend to the guy after a few points. Because I, that's I think, when you really I think there's oh. definitely place like every tour, every time you get a group together, hmm. there is definitely place for a a good L session. You know yeah, what I mean? A so good night together. Um, like, I mean, we did it on Lions trips. We did it on uh, Leinster trip. The, the, the thing that happened, one thing that kind of, uh, I suppose, irked players was, remember when Joe came into Leinster, Rob, that they kind of, he didn't want to do the um, the preseason tour. So the preseason tour kind of went away. Yeah. So you never had that kind of session on the tour like um, that, that you normally have. And, and it'd be kind when you get to the business end of the season, the way it's structured, you kind of go like European final into a Pro 14 final into straight on tour. So it's like you can't really have the two or three day or because you're hopefully you're playing in, in each one, which kind of gave a bit frustrating. But um, I remember the other one that stands out to me, Rob, do you remember Cheltenham? Oh, yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> I'll never forget watching Ferg McFadden coming down the stairs of this nightclub, getting two, I don't know where he got the bottles of champagne, two bottles of champagne, just popping them, just going, ah, going absolutely everywhere in this nightclub in Cheltenham. Yeah, the the, the Cheltenham 11. And you know what? And this is a, another point, actually, that we had just lost the league the night before. Yeah. And... In a perverse sort of way, sometimes the best piss ups are actually after you've just lost the game. Yeah. Do you ever notice that? You get the, yeah, you, you, it starts off real slow and then <laughs> about an hour and a half in. And then so everyone like, is like, ah, oh, fuck it, let's just get locked. Venting your frustrations. Yeah, that really makes sense though. Like, that kind of happens. Like, sometimes you just need to get out, you're like, feck it, let's just go absolutely nuts. And then. But I said, I think you, you get to know these guys better than like you'll sit down, you'll have your your little talks, your little one on one talks in the corner out in the smoking area about we should have done this, you we should have done this, yeah, you know yeah, like, yeah. should have done this. And but like that'll build in on the relationship next year because like that guy, especially if you're in a back three or a back row or something, and you might it could be a young guy coming through, like this guy's actually sound. Or some young guy's coming in and he gets to know Rob Carney for the first time, he goes, Oh, he's not just a big famous rugby player, he's actually sound and he's the same as me and he likes points just he's, as much as I do. He's actually not a <laughs> Exactly. But then, like, you had you're going to build that trust in as well. And maybe, the, maybe the younger guys are missing that to a certain extent, whereas it's too professional. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe look, they, but it's like anything, it's, it's kind of, 
Yeah, it's all about balance, right? Um, but and and speaking of balance, Rob, coming to coming to the end of your career, right? This is a weird segue, but coming to the end of your career, uh, you've decided to strike balance by playing rugby somewhere else. And so, so can you can you give us um, some kind of insight into how that popped up, or you know where your thinking was at to to to, to do that? You know what I mean? Um, to to go to per, like. I don't think anyone saw. No, other side of the world. <laughs> yeah, like literally. No, and you know what? I, I I didn't even see it myself. And you're getting me. You're getting me on a little bit of a bad day because this morning I'm just actually I'm not freaking out, but I'm like, holy fuck, this is actually happening. I'm going to play Super Fifteen rugby against. How are the fitness levels, Chief? Like, <laughs> yeah, the fitness levels are are fine. Like I'm. I'm working, I'm running three times a week. I'm lifting three times and, and doing an off-feet condition. So I'm tipping away. Um, but, you know, in in August time, I was like, right, bash out the next two months and, and hang up the boots. And I was happy with that because I'd, you know, gotten so much from the game, 15 years. It was like, brilliant. You've just take your wins and move on. And then an offer came in from Perth and I was like, Okay, it's a nice place to go. Ireland's going to be in lockdown. You know, there's a decent few quid in it. Like it's 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 not massive money. You're go, I'm going more for the experience yeah. to live in six months in Perth to try Super Fifteen rugby. And um, it's only for six or seven months. What's the worst that can happen? So what's um, going through your head? May well, <laughs> that quote may well come back to haunt me in time. So. Do you know what? It's it's just it's 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 a good opportunity. The body was still good last year. I found was was very unsatisfying for me. I played very little rugby. Um, we we're playing in empty stadiums. It was just it was a real shit year. Yeah. You know, so to get the opportunity to go and to do it again, to play in front of a full stadium, play for a different team, go and try something new. You know, it was it was, it was just too good to be t- to 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 turn down I think yeah, and you're a trailblazer as well like I don't think anyone else has done it when you think like if there's a few young fellas that have done it and come through wherever we, we've never had an actual established international go over there and have a pop in it like so like I mean I think it it's brilliant out, like, I think it's brilliant, it's brilliant as well like I mean like straight away like you're going to have a massive audience watching those games just to see you play because and it's going to put do you know yeah, what I mean was, like, I was I was half hoping I could go away somewhere else where no one would still be judging. Japan is the only place you can go if you don't see him. <laughs> yeah, you know, but the, but the, but that that has been a, a, a little bit of a driving force behind me as well because Super Fifteen is on Sky here and lots of Irish people watch it. And you know, during these last few months where I've not been involved with a team, I'm sort of like, right, you need to get your shit together because you can't make an absolute dickhead of yourself because. You know, the, the harsh reality of sport is people tend to remember you for how you finished up. And, you know, so I'm, I'm going down there knowing that, you know, I'm going to have to play pretty decent. Yeah. And would you would you stay on, Rob, if they asked you? Uh, there, there's talk of that. Um, but we'll get through the first six months first and, and sort of see how I'm feeling, see how see how everything is. Um you know, I, I think I'll be I'll be 35 playing Super 15. Mate, living the dream. Um, Trust me, from a guy who stopped playing, keep it going for as long as you can. 
I know. And, and that's been the biggest, like I'm listening to so many people saying, keep it going as long as you can. So I could be like, I saw someone I could saw, be wheel, um, could be wheeling me out onto the field. I saw SpongeBob there. Um, uh, Jimmy Gopper, like starting what his 18th season yeah. or something for. He's still you know, brilliant. It's insane. <laughs> He's still going yeah. running the show. Can Keep I, can I ask you an interesting one, Rob? Man? You're on about like performances and stuff, and how you go up and down and stuff. People always saying you always go back. Was it the second test, 2009? Your performance in that game was literally like one of the best fullback performances of all time. Did that almost haunt you in a way that you set such a high standard for yourself so early on that you like people expected you to be that good in every single match? Because that game, if you go back and watch it, there's, there's YouTube videos and all dedicated to like just following you for the whole game and kind of going. It was just completely, completely perfect in every way. Yeah, it was. It was definitely one of the best things and one of the worst things that ever <laughs> happened to me on the same day. Um, you know, you you have like I've I've no doubt that I think in was it 2012 or 2013 I won European Player of the Year, Ireland Player, Leinster, blah blah blah. My performances that year were so much better than that game in 2009. But any time I would go through a poor period, you know, the, the, the comments would always be, ah, he's nowhere near that line second test in, in South Africa. So that always haunted me that game. And, you know, but if I sit here now and you ask me the question, well, would you prefer to have not played that performance? <laughs> exactly. You know, there's only, there's only one answer to it as well. Um, you know, but the, then, then I look at, at the likes of Jacob now and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, why does Jacob get a harder time than other players? Because he does get a harder time than, than some other players. People critique him differently to how they critique other players. And I think it's solely because he hit such big heights in 2018. And now everyone's saying, well, why can't he do that again? And it's, it's not fair. It, it fundamentally isn't fair to, you know, to judge people off these experience that, okay, Jacob got, you know, a load of tries in, in 2018. And some of them were, you know, pretty lucky where he picked up an intercept or gotten the end of, of other things. But we just remember that season yeah. now, whereas everything he did was just incredible when it probably wasn't. Yeah, the whole team was um, very brilliant. Like, weren't they? Like, it was just a exactly of, of him being on the end of it and being the left winger there. Exactly. So I, I think we need to be we need to be better and more diligent as people in terms of how we critique players. Yeah, I, I've noticed. I know, like, even like I mean, I used to do it. And I stopped doing it. Like, and um, you'll see now. I saw after the the match the weekend. Saw someone had player ratings up before the final whistle. Like the, the whistle hadn't even been blown. I won't mention the site, and I saw it up, and I was like, "How in hell do you? How in the name of God do you have player ratings up? The match isn't even over yet. I mean, so, can you at least take a few hours to digest it, or even an hour? I mean, or as O'Gara used to always say, like, you need to watch a game two or three times before you can rate a player. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I've been playing. I've been playing this game for fifteen years now, and I won't. I'll have to go back and watch it a second or even a third time. Mm before I'm comfortable giving my opinion on yeah, it. Especially yeah, especially rugby. It's so complicated. There's so much there's so much going on. There's so many moving actually, parts. Just, actually, just on that, Rob, how have you found, because obviously you've been doing, um, between going down to, to Perth and, and finishing up in Leinster, you've been doing a bit of uh, commentary, punditry. How have you found that role? Uh, I've found it a doddle for most of the games that Ireland aren't playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So when you're talking about fellas, you know. It's so much easier just to be like, right, he's the number eight, that's shit. He Thanks, needs mate. to do this, this, and this. 
um, or that's class. Well done. <laughs> uh, it's 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 tougher. I, I have found it tough critiquing Ireland, um, just because. And it's it's simply you're you're trying to preserve relationships that you've built up with these guys for so long. Mm. Um, you know, so for Irish games, am I giving my complete? honest analysis of the game no probably not and do you think this is a nice way the, the trip to perth um a nice way of you giving yourself distance between not necessarily that team and the people there but from something that has dominated your life because you went you went you were very quick out of school into professional setup um a, a kind of a, a way of giving yourself a bit of distance yeah, a hundred percent. And that was another big reason why, you know, why I took the contract because, you know, we live in such a little bubble here. I came straight out of boarding school in Clangos, straight to Dublin four, Dublin six, play for Leinster. You know, I know nothing outside of this. Yeah, you go and travel and you tour a little bit, but, you know, this is still very much all that I know. So when I retired it was always my intention to go traveling the world and just get away from the bubble, get off the radar, go and see, go and see what else is out there. You know, I think by, if I stayed here, you you always sort of get drawn back into the bubble a little bit of, you know, Dublin rugby, all, all of the things that go with that. So this is definitely an opportunity just to, to get away from the place, a different time zone, and and just experience life outside of the only so, thing that I've been used so to. So what is the next chapter for, for Mr. Kearney post? Um, where are you going to travel and what are you thinking post uh, Perth? Well, I'm hoping that I'd, by going to Perth that I'm ticking the travel box as well. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm using this as very much the, the means to, to get out of Dublin and get out of Ireland. After that, I don't really know. I haven't got a clue. It's, you know, it's, it's a little bit scary, as, as I'm sure you know, and all rugby players are going to find out. You know, like yourself, I was very adamant on having some sort of a dual career, doing all my studies, getting involved in different businesses along the way. But I'm still no further down the track <laughs> in terms of what I want to do or what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it scares the life out of me. It, it really does. Um, but, you know, I'll worry about that in June or July time. <laughs> just, yeah, just keep pushing it away. Exactly. You can't, can't exactly. go anywhere at the moment anyway, so it's all the one. Look, <laughs> in, 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 in July time, I will, uh, I will come back and sign a six-month contract with UCD and just keep, and then go back to the Cooley, then go back to the Cooley Kickers. <laughs> Well, lads, you'll have to bear with me for one second. I think we'll, uh, we'll start tying up now. We're, we're hey, yes. 50 minutes in, we'll, we'll be... Let's see what he's ordering. Let's see what he's ordering here, Jason. Hold okay. on a sec. Here, lads, can you two talk away there? <laughs> yeah, Rob, we're, we're, we're going to go, leave you. We're going to love you and leave you. Thanks a million for your time. No, this is... This will only take one second. Are you sure? Yeah, I'd say, what's yeah. Jimmy, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Like, no, no, no. Like, we'll cover Rob, you, like, you, can, you can knock off and myself and him will wrap up. So thanks yeah. a million. Thanks, okay. Rob. Thanks, Appreciate it. Be good. Gentlemen, so, cheers. Talk cheers, to you, Jimmy. Be good. good luck. All right, so guys, that's it for this week's show. Hope you enjoyed it and chat to you again next week. Stay safe.